0: Good morning. morning.
1: morning. I have been asked to
0: present the church history, and if you're young, you may not have known this, and if you're old, you may not not remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Ecclesiastes 1, chapter 1, verse 9, tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. The formation of what would become Community Baptist Church is a familiar story. Disaffected believers of another congregation in Henderson joined together in a small group and met at a house in May of 1994. They shared common values, the inclusiveness of Christ church, the priesthood of the believer, and the autonomy of the local church. To these believers, these were still traditional Baptist values, and so the group set out as Community Baptist Fellowship. After the initial meeting in the home, the Green Valley Baptist director, Dr. L. M. Huff, offered its building on South Green as a place of worship. The small basement sanctuary was the right size for Sunday school and church services, but there was no place for the many children to gather. The children simply stayed outside during the warm summer months, and through Providence, there was no rain on any Sunday morning in the summer of 1994. The small fellowship grew each Sunday, and it was apparent that the group needed more space and a space that they could call their own. The old Max building at 115 North Main in downtown Henderson was vacant and served as a new place of worship for the fellowship. Volunteers at the church, led by Vince Davis, partitioned the old store into a place of worship with Sunday school rooms, an office, a nursery, and a kitchen. Doris Hall took the children on hikes through the downtown parks on Wednesday evenings and Sunday evenings. The fellowship had been led from the pulpit by rotating supply ministers. Dr. David Nelson, who had recently retired from First Baptist Church in Owensboro, was called to lead the church on a regular but interim basis. Dr. Nelson referred to himself as our founding interim pastor. His wit was a joy and his preaching superb. He and his wife Joe fit in as if they had been born into the group. We were fortunate to have Dr. Nelson also return on an interim basis after Dr. Dunaway retired in 2004. The fellowship was in need of a pastor who was not interim. Dr. John Dunaway of First Baptist Church of Corbin was called by the group as our pastor. With the pastor on the way, it was time to shed the fellowship label and become a church. On December 11, 1994, 68 souls signed the charter of Community Baptist Church. We were established officially on that day. John Dunaway was instrumental from that time on as he was able to begin his ministry on the ground in March 1995. We thought things had moved quickly prior to that. John Dunaway brought a new meaning to a church in motion. His wife, Jane, worked with our children and as our first secretary. He quickly established a deacon body, church organizing documents, and a budget. Once the fundamental pieces of the church were in place, he set out on what can truly be described as a mission. John Dunaway sought a permanent home for the church that we could call our own. He organized a fundraising team and a building team. The building committee had a challenge. What type of building was suitable? The group made a trip to Nashville, Tennessee, and viewed several multi-purpose church buildings. This was to be the design of the new structure. One that would be useful for worship, for meetings, and for recreation. Now all that was needed was money. Over $150,000 was raised or pledged for the acquisition of land, and as only he could, John Dunaway persuaded Keith Utley of Farmers Bank, now Old National Bank, to loan the group a million dollars to construct a building. John's son, Mark Dunaway, was the CFO of Peters Construction Company in Owensboro, which was owned by Bruce Peters. Land was located, and with the generous assistance of Bruce Peters, we built our current home on Pebble Creek Drive. With great fanfare, we had a parade from the downtown building to our home here at 1026 Pebble Creek Drive for our first service in December of 1996. It was now time to put the community in Community Baptist Church. A daycare and preschool was established for the 1997 and 1998 school year. Along with traditional activities such as Vacation Bible School, the building housed Bruce Pearl's basketball camps, Upward Basketball and a Men's Basketball League, the walking track was open to the public for exercise. Block parties were held at the site, and our annual harvest festival was established. In addition, the church engaged in many missions, both home and abroad. The church mission team went to New York, Nada, Kentucky, Atlanta, Georgia, the Gulf area after Hurricane Katrina, and McCreary County, Kentucky. Our church fans, donated by Audman Chrysler and Mildred Bassett, have logged many miles in our travels. Locally, Habitat Homes were constructed with the help of the church. The Christian community outreach has been a focus of our local mission work, and its last two directors have been church members, Dottie Sugg and Mary Dunham. A team has served lunch on Saturdays at the Salvation Army. Gallons of blood have been donated through our various blood drives. Thousands of scholarship dollars have aided our students. But the church is more than buildings and activities. The spirit of our church is our people. When John Dunaway elected to retire in 2004, the pastor Search Committee found a kindred soul in Tim Hobbs of Atlanta, Georgia. Jigsaw puzzle pieces do not fit as well as Tim Hobbs and his family fit with our church. Where John Dunaway took our church into new territory with the establishment of women deacons and church leaders, Tim Hobbs led us us into even more inclusiveness and greater mission work. Music has been an important part of our church, and we were fortunate to have Grover Waller of Owensboro lead us in song. Like Dr. Nelson, he was a perfect fit. When Grover retired, Larry Halton was called to lead music, youth, and children. Larry produced wonderful musical pageants and did an excellent job with our children. Summer Bennett also led our music for a time, and her immense talent was appreciated by all. Through interim times, we've been fortunate to have Tommy Tate, Evelyn Champion, Mark Hobson, and Daryl Powell lead our music. Our pianist, Jika Crafton, and our current organist, Nibby Priest, have been a blessing. Prior to Nibby's role as organist, the sister act of Phyllis McIlwain and Frieda Campbell served us faithfully and well on the organ that came from generous donations from Judy Nelson and Dick Branson. In addition to Larry Halton's work with children and youth, many paid and volunteer staff have contributed to our children and youth ministry, Sarah Hobson, Jenny Hall, Scott Uzzle, Tim Coghill, Julie Wrights and Kristen Maine have all advanced the cause of Christ with our youth. Mary Dunham currently, lovingly, leads our children's ministry. Countless Sunday school teachers and building and kitchen volunteers have held us together. Our clerical staff began with Lisa Garner and Susan Fowler, and continued with Charlotte Payne, Kathy Hazelwood, Dorothy Spaulding, and our current administrative assistant and miracle worker, Dottie Snyder. They've all graciously transformed chaos into order. The late Ron Payne and his daughter Michelle Brown have been our custodial help for several years and have kept this busy building neat and tidy. There's never enough time to recognize everyone. Some of our saints, like W. Hall, Johnny Matthews, Bob Gardner, John and Bernice Benham, Vivian and Charlie Denton, Mildred Keach, Jack and Jane Hammond, Vince Davis, Elbert Tapp, Barbara Hilliard, Margaret Edwards, Sammy Williams, and Cindy Hall are no longer with us. To you, whose saints whose work still remains, thank you for the last 20 years. And as John Dunaway would mumble to all of us, let's get to work on the next 20.
2: Good morning, everyone. Have you enjoyed our little stroll down memory lane here? Thank you, Chris. Chris uh, wrote our our history there and presented that, and it's a wonderful, wonderful remembrance as we have strolled back over the past 20 years. So thank you, Chris, for for doing that for us. Welcome to everyone, and happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday. Uh, We are glad that you're here to celebrate our 20th birthday. Next year, we'll be adults. (laughs) Uh, but uh, we welcome everyone here, and glad that you're here to celebrate with us um, for our 20th anniversary here, and uh, and we welcome you all. We welcome our, our special guest today. Uh, Chris Sanders is here with us. He is the interim director of uh, uh, coordinator at uh, Kentucky Baptist Fellowship, and a, and a great person. I didn't know Chris until he took this position, uh, John Lepper retired a few, few months ago, and and uh, Chris stepped in to kind of hold things together in the meantime, and uh, since then I've been in several meetings with Chris and gotten to know him, and he is a wonderful person and doing an absolutely wonderful job as the uh, 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 interim coordinator for Co- uh, Kentucky Baptist Fellowship. So thank you for being here with us, Chris. Uh, Bill and Janine Walker are, well, they're they're over, they're over here. <laughs> They're with us today, and uh, many of you know them. They have been here uh, many times before, but it's been a while since they've been here. And uh, they are wonderful musicians from Nashville, and they'll be having some special music for us in a few moments and then a concert after lunch today. So I hope you'll stay and be a part of that. Uh, We have uh, wonderful... uh, I want to thank our our committee, our our anniversary committee, for bringing everything together. Nora... There she is, Nora back there, Nora, Nora Hobson. As she's given her leadership to this and the, the committee that she's drawn together. So thank you so much for, for what you've done for this. And uh, I, let me tell you also that we will be having a, uh, T-shirts, anniversary T-shirts made up. We do not have them right now, but you can take orders. There, there's, that's what it looks like. That looks like a wide one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a triple extra large there <laughs> but that's that's what it's going to look like and we will be taking orders for that you can uh, uh, Mo- Nora Hobson or Mary Rye will be taking the orders for that uh, they will not be in until after Christmas but if you'd like to give it as a Christmas present you can take a picture of it and wrap it up um <laughs> Uh, the uh, the short sleeves will be $15, and the long sleeves will be $20. Just make the check out to Community Baptist Church and note on that that they are for T-shirts. And the proceeds will go towards our building fund. So thank you for that. Also, we will be receiving a love offering for the Walkers twice, actually, because we recognize that some of you will not be able to stay. So uh, Doris and someone will be at the doors um, to take a love offering at the end of the worship service, and then we'll be doing that again at the end of the, uh, the concert. So uh, please give generously for that. And I'd also call your attention to the, uh, the bulletin. It's a busy week. We have several things going on this week, and I don't want to, uh, to leave those things out. Uh, our women's Christian group will be uh, having their dinner and auction tomorrow uh, at Amy McDowell's house. And I, so I know you'll want to be here for that at 6 o'clock. We will be having our Joy Lunch on Tuesday at 12. Bring a dish. Bring a friend. And then Wednesday, our, during our Wednesday program, uh, Willie Pringle will be speaking to us and telling us his testimony. He's got an inspiring testimony. And uh, I think they've made a play out of his life. And, and he's written a book. And, and now they're even thinking about doing a movie. So uh, he'll, he'll be here on Wednesday night as well. So thank you all for being here and helping us celebrate our uh, our 20th anniversary, and now Mark, come and explain to us a little bit about this song that okay. we're going to sing.
3: Yeah, some of you might remember this song back uh, when we started our building program for this facility. Uh, Jake and I wrote this song, and so some of you re- might remember it, and a lot of you probably won't have clues. So, we're going. The choir has gone over, so uh, we're gonna, I'm going to stand in the choir. You be
1: seated, okay?
4: Amen. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, choir. My name's Chris Sanders. I'm your interim coordinator at the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship, and it's wonderful to be here celebrating your first 20 years. Uh, our, as, uh, as Tim has already said, uh, we have been through a similar time in the fellowship. Our founding coordinator, John Lepper, just retired, and now we're at that point where we are It's what I've been calling KBF 2.0. During this interim time, uh, we are rethinking and rethinking who we're going to be, and uh, I'm your interim coordinator until they get somebody good. (laughs) Uh, I've been on the road some. Uh, In the first 100 days, you are my 28th church, covering about 6,000 miles. I uh, I expect that that our search committee will have somebody good for you uh, to do this work coming up soon. And because my time is short, I won't talk very much about what we've been doing so far. If I had more time, I'd tell you about our worship workshop that we've got uh, planned for you with the Baptist Seminary Kentucky coming up in February. I'd tell you more about our new work in advocacy, coming up uh, uh, to take on the issue of payday lending reform and what all that means. If I had more time, I'd tell you more about our work in stream build, where we are building houses for, as, as Jesus said, the least of these in Mercury County, over these many years. And if I had more time, I'd tell you more about our work in partnership in Morocco with uh, God's children uh, all over sub-Saharan Africa as they move uh, into Morocco. So if I had more time, I'd have more I would be able to tell you about those things. But uh, the good news is I'm staying for lunch. So if you'd like to hear about more of those, please come find me. Just now a word of blessing for you on your first 20 years. As I stand in this pulpit, I'm reminded of the pastors that have been here and all the thanks that we give to God for the women and men who have spoken at this space and in this place. So blessings on this pulpit and on your next pulpit. May it be made of 100-year-old oak trees that I'll plant tomorrow. Let's pray together. God, we do thank you for the work of Community Baptist here on the shores of the Ohio River where millions have passed by. This place is and still will be a beacon of light and hope to all who come through, who come and stay, who come in need of your good hope and good works. We pray that this church is and will continue to be a place that brings good news to the poor, that sets at liberty those who are oppressed and brings recovery of sight to the blind, that inch by inch will, will bring in the year, your year of your favor to set people free. And Lord, you know as we grow that we want to be more. So make us more today than we were yesterday, but not as much as we're going to be tomorrow. In Your name I pray. Amen.
5: morning. morning. I'm Sue Berry and I am here to give the anniversary moments the years 2009 to 2014. First I would like to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to cover the five years of the church history the last five years. There's only one problem I've only been attending for 11 months. (laughs) When I was asked if I was willing to speak This was brought up and I was informed that the committee wanted someone to explain how they saw God working in Community Baptist Church and they thought a new member might be the person to do that. So my perspective of the church's history is gonna be a little bit different than the previous reflections. First, I would like to say the past year has been wonderful and everyone has been so welcoming. You feel something special when you enter this beautiful church and attend a church service this is one of the many ways I see God working in our church let me explain when I joined the church on July the 27th I shared experience I had had the previous week in Tulsa Oklahoma I was in Tulsa attending the wedding of a cousin when I was invited to ascend, attend Sunday morning church service with the groom and his family he told us we had to be on time because the doors would be locked when the service began Since we didn't want to be locked out, we arrived early. There was a large assembly, approximately nine to ten thousand people. At the church, at the service, the church members were so excited about a new program. The plans was to make people feel that they were part of a small church, even though they were attending a mega church. So, team leaders of each seating section were to invite you to coffee in small groups so you could feel a part of the church. When one of the church members invited me, they had no idea that I was a visitor. What does this have to do with Community Baptists? I want you to look to your right. Now look to your left. I hope you know if the person next to you is visiting or if they're here every Sunday. Also during the service in Oklahoma, armed Tulsa City Policemen were present because of death threats threats made against the minister. To me, it was very difficult to concentrate on the reason why I went to church that morning, because of everything considered. The possibility of being locked out, asked to coffee in order to feel part of the church, and armed guards. It made me realize that Community Baptist was very special. No guns, no super loud music, or a need for a coffee invitation. It's God's presence in the church and you, the church family, and how you make others feel. Another experience during the past year made me realize how God is working in Community Baptist Church. It's hard to explain, but it's something that kept coming back to me. Kirk and I were asked to judge the Halloween costumes at the fall festival. After the judging, we were still sitting watching the children and the parents have a good time. Kirk then said, all these people... How do we get them to come back to church? I pondered the question briefly and gave a feeble answer that appeared so many had come for the night of free food, candy, prizes, etc. Then I thought about it some more and asked Kirk if he had grown up attending church and he said yes. I said, aren't you glad you had that experience? So many of these children we were watching would never know the experience of growing up and attending church. Kirk's question of how to get people to come back kept coming to mind, and I couldn't figure out why until last Sunday. Do you remember what Brother Tim's sermon was about last Sunday? His sermon was titled Watch. It had a little bit of different meaning than what I'm about to explain, but I thought of Kirk's question in my task today, and it seemed clear. So again, let me explain. As a social worker, my background has been working with the mentally handicapped, mentally ill, spouse abuse victims, and for the past 26 years, I have served as a social worker for Methodist Hospital. I mention this because I learned early on that you can attempt to assist someone in need, such as an alcoholic or a drug addict, but they are often not ready to accept the assistance until it is on their terms. When I first started working at Methodist Hospital, I also worked as a counselor of Oasis, the area spouse abuse program. When working with spouse abuse victims, Statistically, it is known that a woman will leave a man seven times before she will make the final break. This can be very frustrating. We had a woman who repeatedly came to our emergency room with various injuries. It was quite obvious that her injuries were inflicted upon her rather than accidental. Each time she came to ER, I was called to talk with her. It became apparent that our staff became very tired of her visits and very frustrated with their attempts to help her because she continued to stay in the relationship with her partner. Finally, one day out of the blue, I received a call from the Spouse abuse shelter and was shocked when I was told that on the previous evening, our ER patient had arrived at the shelter seeking help. When I informed our staff that the woman who had visited our ER so many times finally sought shelter and safety, our staff's response was, but she didn't come to ER. They felt cheated that they weren't the ones who arranged for her to go to the shelter and their long attempts at helping her were now gone gone unnoticed. When I thought about it, I knew the answer. She didn't have to go to ER because we had shared with her the information she needed and she had to choose the time when to use it. We felt cheated because we did not see the fruit of our labor. I think Community Baptist is a lot like that. How, you might ask? I was asked numerous times by Fred Juanita, to come to church, but I didn't. I grew up in a small church where everyone knew everyone. When I moved to Henderson, I attended a large church and attempted to be active, but the church was too large, and I felt like a number rather than a part of the team. Ultimately, I made the decision to come to Community Baptist. What I saw was a church that is active, so giving, and so willing to open their doors to anyone and everyone. There are do- those out there you will have to ask repeatedly before they decide to become a part of the church, or maybe they will never be a part of this church. But have you ever thought about others watching you and the impact you have on them? In the past year, I have seen you touch people's lives through various activities such as volleyball, blood drives, brain injury camp prom, Easter vest, family game day, in-town mission projects, vacation Bible school, youth to Panama City, Upward Basketball and Cheerleading, Fellowship Cafes, Highway 60 Yard Sale, Fall Festival, Serving at the Salvation Army, Supporting Christian Community Outreach, Habitat for Humanity, and the Brain Injury Adventure Camp, and the many meals shared in Fellowship. Some lives you touch may be like the woman in the ER. You may not realize the impact you have on others. They may turn to God without you ever knowing you had a hand in it. Each life is special, and each interaction you make a print of some kind, so never be discouraged. You may not see the fruit of your labor directly, but God does. One special life you have touched in a special way is a very special young friend of mine who is mentally challenged. She may not quite understand everything that is said around her, but she knows how others make her feel. I invited her and her grandmother to one of the volleyball nights. Judelle was welcome and encouraged to participate, but it was difficult for her to warm up to strangers. She didn't want to play volleyball, but she was encouraged to participate. As the games began and I looked over, I was so surprised to see Judelle participating in her own way. So what did she do? She flipped the numbers to keep the score. She loved being a part, and you made her feel welcome. Later, when the brain injury prawl was scheduled, I invited Judelle and her boyfriend. Not only did they come, but also Judelle's grandmother, her mother, and her stepfather. The family was so amazed at the dance, they told everyone how awesome a night it was and what a special church this was for hosting such an event. Later, Judelle attended the church picnic at the brain injury adventure camp. She and I decided to try the zip line. We got geared up, and Judelle was going first. On top of the platform, she started to cry because she was scared. Everyone comforted her, and I proceeded to go first. I did not know if Judelle would follow or not. It was such a joy to hear the shouts of encouragement. And yes, Judelle not only did the zipline once, but she wanted to do it again. Yes, I think God is not only a community Baptist, but he also attends activities such as prom night, And he also rides zip lines. My point to all of this as a new member, I see God working in ways that you may not. When a problem presents itself, you try to be the solution rather than an excuse. It's the smiles, the handshakes, the pat on the back, and the words of encouragement. And yes, the many invitations. When someone enters this church, you feel immediately that your past doesn't matter. The color of your skin is of no concern. How much money you have or the car you drive is of no interest. What is important that you are here? After writing this message, I looked at the church website, and it was then that I read the church covenant, which states, As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we enter into this covenant with one another, with our Lord and Redeemer. We strive to minister to the world through the power of the Holy Spirit by loving others as Christ loves us. We dedicate ourselves to practicing Christ's teaching encourage all members to share their bounty and blessings with those who are in need. We advocate the practice of treating our bodies as a temple of the Lord and discourage any spiritual manifestations not consistent with advancing the cost of Christ and the kingdom of God. As a guide to this end, 1 Corinthians 13 reflects our commitment to the application of Christ's love in our lives and relationship with others. We will encourage, work to encourage, nurture, and minister to all church members so to build, support, and cultivate a climate of love and acceptance. We will work to spread the good news of Christ's redemptive love in a hurting and sinful world. So thank you, Community Baptist Church, for allowing God to work through you. You are a shining light in Henderson community, and even though there are not 10,000 people in attendance today, there are no armed guards and our doors are unlocked and open to anyone and everyone to enter. You have touched many lives in many ways. Some of those lives touched you will never know the impact you made, but hopefully you have followed the words written in our church covenant and made an impression of God's love and his promise. So that's a few of the ways I see and feel God working at Community Baptist. It's time to say thank you, God, for the history you have given us. Thank you for this day in which we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Community Baptist Church and may we always remember the reason for this holiday season which will keep us on the path for a bright and wonderful future. Thank you for being Community Baptist Church.
1: let
3: stand, please. Hymn number 76.
2: As we look around uh, at the people who are here today, we may see that there are some who are not here that we wish were here. And you may notice that um, uh, in our scripture, um, in our uh, bulletin, the scripture reading is left blank, but we're bringing somebody in from out of town to read our scripture for today. So, there they are. (laughs)
3: From Hebron, Connecticut. We wish we could have been with you for today's celebration, but know that we are with you in spirit as we share God's Word with you. The Word of God today is from Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth God's Son born of a woman born under the law in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children and because you are children God has sent the spirit of God's son into our hearts crying Abba Father so you are no longer a slave but a child and if a child, then also an heir, through God. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.
2: Nice surprise, wasn't it? <laughs> Isaiah 9, 6 gives us these words that were made famous by Handel's beautiful Hallelujah Chorus. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The lighting of a candle on the second Sunday of Advent is traditionally associated with the peace of that Jesus' birth promises to us. Each of you were given a pencil and an index card when you came in today. And do we have other does everyone have one? I hope you hope you do. Again, like we did last week in the spirit of Advent, I would like to ask each of us to once again take a moment of silent meditation on the peace of Christ. And as you do that, I would like to ask you to write your prayers of peace on the index card that you've been given. This could be a prayer of peace for yourself, a prayer of peace for someone that you know whose life is in turmoil now, peace for your community, or for some situation in our world. What is your prayer for peace today? Let us be silent before God and write our prayers of peace. Thank you. And now let me invite you all who are willing and able, if you would like to join me around the candle of peace, which is to my right over here, where you can place your prayer for peace at the base of the candle of peace and your prayers will be taken to the ears of God. Let's pray together. O oh, Jesus, who brings peace into turmoil and conflict, we thank you for your divine mission of peace, which we remember at Christmas time. We light this candle as a reminder of your promise of peace, and we offer up these prayers for peace, trusting that you will act in each and every situation. Amen.
3: Now let's stand and sing hymn number
1: 334, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine.
3: Will you pray with me? Holy God. When you told Peter that upon this rock you would build your church, is this what you had in mind? A congregation gathered to focus on you. A congregation committed to peace and justice. A congregation focused on taking care of your children a congregation whose only desire is to be your love to a world in need. We pray it is. We want to live out your vision of the kingdom of God. So we offer you our time, our money, our resources, so the people of Henderson County and this world may know that they matter and they are loved. Thank you for these 20 years, and we depend on you to lead us into the next 20. Show us what you need us to be, and show us what you need us to do. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.
5: And having been found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, whether on the earth, above the earth, or below the earth, and that every voice should proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.
1: Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, Jesus like the fragrance after the Jesus, Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Down from his glory, ever living story, my God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger, to his own a stranger, he came to woo, to win, to save my soul. No oh.
2: Thank you so much, Janine and Bill, and thank you for your talent and sharing that with us today. So, here we are, 20 years. How many of you were here at the beginning of Community Baptist Church? How many of you were here? Look around. Okay, good. Does it seem like it's been 20 years since that day that, uh, when this new venture of God was begun? Does it seem like 20 years to you? I don't, I don't think so. I've been here for over 10 of those years now, and it certainly doesn't seem like that long to me. It, it seems that uh, that old saying really is true, that time flies when you're having fun. And it has been fun. It's been, it's been fun as we've prepared for this day, looking back on our history of our church, and uh, some of which I was a part of, and some of which fell into the category of good stories about some people that I knew and some people that I didn't know. And looking to the past is a good thing. It's important that we know where we came from and to, to celebrate our heritage. But you know something, I think that looking to the future is equally important. And I hope that we can look to our future here at Community Baptist Church with a, a great attitude of hope and anticipation. It is said that Christopher Columbus kept a diary on his way to the New World, and and it was not an easy voyage. The men on the ships there were on the verge of mutiny, and most of them wanted to turn around and go back home. And yet every day, the last entry that he would write in his log was this. Today, we moved westward. I hope that each day of your life, you were able to write in your journal Today, I moved forward. I think that we have as a church, I am proud, I'm very proud to be the pastor of this great congregation. And we may not be the largest church in town, and we may still have this building that we're trying desperately to pay for. But I would put this church against any church in Kentucky as far as a a true spirit of love and acceptance of all people and a true desire to reach out and to minister to the least and the lost. In the end, that's what really matters, isn't it? That's what really matters. You truly live out our mission statement, being the presence of Christ and serving a world of need. And I believe that with God's help, the next 20 years of our history will be even better than the past 20 years. That is my prayer. So, with all of this talk about time, time in the past and time in the future, let's think about that subject for just a few moments this morning, and I realize that we're running a little late, so bear with me, folks. Let's think about the subject of time for a few moments this morning. How many of you have noticed that the older we get, the faster time seems to pass? <laughs> you? Oh, okay, I thought it was me. <laughs> I mean, you know, remember back in your childhood when we were four or five years old, time just moved so slowly. I mean, here we are, we're about two and a half weeks from Christmas, but as a child, that seems like an eternity. Two and a half weeks, when will Christmas ever get here? But if you're 50 or 60 or 70 years old, it seems like no time at all. And Christmas will be here in what seems like a blink of an eye. And and then the next year will fly by. And before you know it, it's Christmas again. It was Albert Einstein who introduced us to the idea that time is relative. Sometimes his theory of relativity has been uh, reduced to the example of a young man sitting for a moment on a hot stove versus sitting for a moment on a pretty girl's lap. One moment can seem like a very long time, and one moment can seem very short. And that's not exactly what Einstein had in mind, but he did show us that that time is relative. According to Einstein's theory, if we could travel at, at, at a speed, approaching the speed of light, time would actually slow down. And that means if an astronaut was launched at a at a high speed into outer space, he or she will return measurably younger than his twin who remained behind. Now, that may sound appealing to some of us who would like to be younger, but, but of course you have to be launched into outer space to make that happen. Someone um, turned this bright idea into a limerick that says, There once was a girl named Miss Bright who could travel much faster than light. She departed one day in an Einsteinian way and came back the previous night. (laughs) Yes, this concept of time and its relativity, it's, it's indeed a mystery to us, which most of us will never fully understand. But how many of you have ever participated in a time management seminar. Some of you, you've done that. And these workshops, uh, you know, we if you're in business, you probably have. Uh, these workshops are generally known by different names these days, kind of like multiple uh, managing multiple priorities or something like that, because someone has finally figured out that time is not something you can really manage. All we can do, all we can hope to do is to manage our priorities within the time that we have. And the Bible has something to say to us about time management. In Psalm 90, verse 12, we read, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. What a great verse that is to claim as we remember our past and as we anticipate our future. And our lesson today from from Paul's letter to the Galatians also speaks to us about time not really about the passage of time and not really about the relativity of time or even the management of time, but instead Paul's letter speaks to us about the fulfillment of time. He says, when the time had fully come, God sent God's Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to become a child of God. Because you are a child of God, God sent the Spirit of God's Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are God's child, God has made you an heir. What an important passage of Scripture that is. When the set time had fully come, or as the King James Version puts it, when the fullness of the time has come or was come. But both of these versions, what both of these versions are basically saying is that when the time that God had chosen had arrived, God sent Christ into the world. So you see, Christ came at precisely the right moment, the perfect time in human history. I want you to think about that for a moment. God had already been working for thousands of years to bring about just the right conditions for Jesus' birth. The prophets had testified to the Jewish people that out of the line of David, a Savior would be born. And of his kingdom, there would be no end. And when the Savior was born, Jews were were scattered all throughout the known world. Every major city in the world had a synagogue in it. And this was the first place that the early Christian evangelists went to proclaim this new faith that the Messiah had come. And so the stage was set religiously. For the Messiah to arrive the stage was also set culturally for the coming of Christ about 300 years before Christ was born a son was born to King Philip of Macedonia and he became known as Alexander the Great it took Alexander only about 12 years to conquer all of the known world of his time and as he did that He spread the Greek language over almost all of the civilized world. And so Greek became the international language by which the gospel could be communicated. Indeed, in the New Testament itself, we have a lot of influence of Greek philosophy and Greek thought. And Greek culture also broke down some of the the barriers of nationalism. And so the influence of Alexander helped to pave the way linguistically and culturally for the coming of Christ. And then came the great Roman Empire. The Romans furnished a system of law that made it possible for the gospel to to grow in relative stability. And just a few decades before Jesus was born, Julius Caesar built roads that made commerce possible all over the empire, and those roads made travel a lot easier for those first Christian missionaries. You see, all of these things came together to make Christ's birth take place at just the right time. But when the time had fully come, God sent God's son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to become God's children. Do you see here why Christ came to the world? According to the scripture, he came so that we might become sons and daughters of God. What a great message for us today. Because of Jesus, we are now the sons and daughters of God. So what does that mean for you? Well, I have to confess that in some ways, it's a little hard for me to think of myself as a son of God. I guess it's because that name is usually reserved for Jesus himself, and, and I'm certainly not on the same level as Jesus. Jesus is the unique son of God, and I and it may be simply a matter of semantics, but somehow I find it easier to think of myself as a child of God and not so much as a son of God. In fact, sometimes we lock people up when they think they're sons of God. I read about a psychologist named Richard Bandler who was working with a a man who claimed to be Jesus, claimed to be God's son. And so Bandler asked him, "Are, are you Jesus? And he stood very reverently and said, yes, my son. And so Bandler said, I'll be right back. Well, this left the man a little bit confused. But within just a few minutes, Bandler came back and he had a tape measure with him. And he asked the man to hold out his arms, which he did. And Bandler measured the lengths of his arms and his height from head to toe. And then after that, Bandler left. And uh, the man claiming to be Jesus became a bit concerned. Well, after a little while, Bandler came back with a hammer and some large spiked nails and a set of boards. And he began pounding those boards together in the form of a cross. So the man asked, what are you doing? And Bandler asked, are you Jesus? And again, the man said, yes, my son. And so Bandler said, then you know what I'm doing. And suddenly, suddenly this wave of recognition came over this man's face, and he shouted, oh, no, no, I'm not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. You see, saying that we are children of God, that's it, no problem. But saying that we are the son of God or the daughter of God, it may be problematic for some of us. And, of course, we're not claiming to be on the same level as Jesus. But listen to this. Neither are we worms of the dust. We are God's beloved, and we need to see ourselves as God sees us. And even though it may make us a little bit uncomfortable, it's right here in the word of God. We are sons and daughters of God. Back in 2006, ABC News carried a story about a young woman named Sarah Culberson. Sarah was adopted two days after her first birthday, and she grew up as a, as a youngest daughter in, in a very close-knit family in West Virginia. She was surrounded by love and, and admiration in her home, but as, uh, she always wondered about her roots. And like a lot of people, a lot of adopted pe- children, she wanted to find out about her birth parents, and so at the age of 22, she began the search. She quickly learned that her mom had died about 12 years before from cancer. And then a few years later, she hired a private investigator to help locate her biological father. And as she did, she got the surprise of her life. Because you see, Sarah was not the average suburban girl that she thought she was. No, Sarah was a princess. She was a princess. Her father, her biological father, who was a ruling member of the Mende tribe in Sierra Leone, was living in Africa. And by birthright, Sarah was a princess. She could one day be known as the paramount chief in a country she'd never even seen before. Talking with correspondent Robin Roberts, Sarah said that it, it took a while to process the shock of discovering her biological father. For one thing, she said, it it took a couple of years to deal with finding my father and having two dads. So her African father invited her to come to Africa to meet her family there. And when she arrived in Sierra, Sierra Leone, the entire community came out to welcome its princess, a happy Homecoming for the American girl who never knew that by searching for her birth parents, she'd also find the meaning of her identity. They were amazing, she said. There were hundreds of them there to welcome me. They were singing and they were dancing, and I was like, what did I do to deserve this? Well, while she found Sierra Leone both beautiful and exciting, she also found it heartbreaking. For you see, the people there had, been, had suffered through a, a terrible civil war. And she wanted to help them desperately. And so she's, she started a nonprofit foundation to assist her people in Sierra Leone. She said her, her West Virginia family, who could have resented her search, had, had supported her all through her process. They're like angels, she said. They would support her in whatever she wanted to do. Now, for other adoptees who try to find their biological parents, she cautions them that they shouldn't go into this expecting anything. I had no expectations, she said. I didn't even know if I would get a return phone call. But Sarah's search resulted in a new life and also a new mission in life, helping the Mende people. You see, for her, being a princess meant doing her part. The title princess meant responsibility, she says, and that's what I'm taking on. And you know what? She's right. The title princess means responsibility, and so does the title son of God or daughter of God. And you know what that means? It means that you and I have responsibilities as God's children. And folks, what a wonderful gift we have been given. Some of our boys and girls will remember the scene from The Lion King where Simba, the young lion, is being challenged to go back home to be the king that he was born to be. Simba had run away from his destiny, run away from home. The struggle of confronting his cruel uncle was just too hard for him. But in that memorable scene that represents the turning point in Simba's life, He looks into the water, and he sees the subtle image of his father, Mufasa, the king. And Mufasa says to Simba, you have forgotten who you are. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. Remember who you are. Well, my friends, that is Paul's message to us today as we look back on the past 20 years of our life as a church. Remember, remember, remember who you are. Remember those who have come before us to lay the foundation for who we are today. And know that even as they laid the foundation for us, we are now laying the foundation for those who will be coming after us. You are the sons and daughters of God. You are princes and princesses. And that's a wonderful privilege that we must relish. But it's also an awesome responsibility. When the time had come, God sent God's son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to become children of God. Because you are God's son and daughter, God sent the spirit of God's son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba father so you are no longer a slave but God's child and since you are God's child God has made you also an heir may God bless the next 20 years of our church as these princes and princesses these sons and daughters live up to the calling that God has given to us amen now we will sing our closing hymn bless be the tie and i think our after our benediction um here's the instructions for everybody it's a race <laughs> to the line over here uh they say they'll have everything ready for us and i'm going to trust them and so uh we will have our our closing prayer and our benediction and then have at it folks but Let me ask you now to stand, reach across the aisle to the people near you and grab their hand as we sing together, Blessed be the tide. Let us pray. Oh God, you have filled our souls with the beauty of your presence today. And now we go to fill our stomachs with a bountiful feast. Amen. Bless our food and the joy of fellowship that we share. We go in great gratitude as we celebrate 20 years of kingdom based ministry. And we look forward to see what you have in store for us in the 20 years to come. Keep us ever on your path, O God, and lead us in your way as we claim our place as your sons and your daughters and as we fulfill our responsibilities to you. Amen.